Welcome to NARC, Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Collaborators. Today we're going to talk about the lizard brain versus the monkey brain. So you've often often heard about the lizard brain being also called the reptilian brain. And this is the one where their typical function is to fight, flee, feed, or, you know, that other F word. The monkey brain is more about empathy and emotions. So, you know, you've got a conflict going on, a battle in your brain for which way to go. And the brain is phenomenal. You know, it can be separated into three sections, the lizard brain, the monkey brain, and the human brain. And understanding this triune brain often helps individuals understand um, what it is that's happening to them when they're undergoing trauma, following some abuse from a narcissist, sociopath, or psychopath. These personality disordered people uh, leave us in a state of absolute um, destruction, and the recovery from that involves brain science and work on the brain because it's not just an emotional recovery like in a regular relationship. This is something completely different. And I know I have friends and family and people who don't understand that. They're looking at this from an emotional bond and thinking of, you know, regular breakups and regular divorces and what would happen in those kinds of situations. But when you're with this disordered and dysregulated person who has caused you to be trauma bonded to them through their intermittent reinforcement torture techniques that they have employed with the really wonderful dangling carrots that are held there for you on top of horrific betrayal and abuse over periods, long periods of time, that combination of that back and forth, push and pull, good and bad, bliss and misery builds pathways in the brain, releases chemicals, creates havoc on so many levels. So you need to know that if you're coming out of a relationship with one of these disordered people, this is not your regular breakup or divorce. This is something really quite different. And it's so important that you acknowledge what those differences are. Understanding brain science is a good first step. It helps you understand what's happening to you and um, all that. So anyway, the lizard brain, let's start there. It's found at the base, sort of at the base of your brain, and it contains the cerebellum and the brainstem. Now, most reptiles only have these parts of their brain, which control their most basic instincts. And we talked about the four F words before, and that's what they live for. That's all they know. That's all they do. And that's what that part of your brain, um, if you're in that mode, then that's really all you're thinking about. It's very reactionary. It's very survival instinct wired. Let's say it that way. Um, so, so the monkey brain, so this includes the majority of brain tissue in your brain, and it controls more complex tasks um, and more emotions. Um, it, you know, when your emotional thinking is going nuts, it's your monkey brain that's causing that to happen. 
So the most sophisticated part of your brain, your human brain, let's call it, is the logical, rational part of your brain that's free of all of this emotional cloudiness and fogginess, as well as the delayed, um, well, not delayed, as, as well as the immediate gratification and reactionary responses caused by the lizard or reptilian brain. You know, you're, you're wanting what you want right then, and you're not thinking about anything else. There's really no emotions engaged. You're just surviving. You're just feeding and doing the F word and, and fighting and, and fleeing just for survival only. So the human brain is far above that survival mode, and it's also above the emotional thinking mode. Now, there's a fourth thing that I want to introduce here, and and that is, in addition to the lizard brain, the monkey brain, and the actual human rational brain, there's also something I'm going to call the trauma brain. And this is what you have following a relationship with a narcissist, sociopath, or psychopath, um, because your brain is altered in some profound ways. Repeated emotional trauma leads to things like PTSD, even CPTSD. But these repeated emotional injuries, they actually have a physical impact on your brain that you need to know about. Trauma like this, this emotional, psychological, and sometimes physical abuse and trauma can actually shrink your hippocampus, which is responsible for memory and learning And it can also cause your amygdala to become enlarged, which is where your most primitive emotions, such as fear, grief, guilt, envy, and shame live. I think we've talked about it before, how with the narcissist personality disordered people, they're not capable of positive emotions like love, intimacy, or even those emotions that are really critical to our humanity, such as the capability to feel compassion or empathy for other people, to have some moral constructs of right or wrong and spirituality and and those kinds of things. They're devoid of those, but they are capable of uh, envy, shame, contempt, and emotions like that. So when we are recovering from this abuse and trauma, it's helpful to be aware of which mode of thinking your brain is engaged in. Similarly, it is useful to distinguish between cognitive rational thinking and emotional reactive thinking. Either way you look at it, sometimes the trauma brain has difficulty regulating itself. The lizard brain's impulsive survival mode can cause victims of abuse to react in ways that are detrimental to their recovery. If you think about that, you can imagine what some of those might be. You're just in survival mode, fight and flee, feed and that other F word. Not good. Um, The emotional roller coaster of the monkey brain can also cause the victim to drown in feelings that can be overwhelming. It's not a good thing to let your monkey brain just go nuts on you, you know. Um, It's going to be counterproductive to your recovering. So here's a few tips to get it under control. So when you have that reptilian 
survival lizard brain, F, 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 and F brain going on, the first thing you need to do is just don't listen to it. It's trying to get you in trouble. The lizard is responsible for primitive drives related to thirst, hunger, sexuality, and territoria, territorial um, claims on, on where, you know, on all your, what you think you need to have. <laughs> I have trouble getting that out. All of these things can be bad news if you just turn them loose. You have to keep them on a short leash at all times. Remember the four Fs and just keep them in check. Uh, don't let them get out of hand. That's what the lizard does, but you're a human, so you're better than that. Number two, make the right choice. If you're battling down that reptilian brain during recovery, we have to remember we have choices about whether we're going to give in to these primitive urges and desires of this reptilian brain or if we're going to use other parts of our brain to um, manage things. Sure, it's easier and probably a lot more fun just to just to run with the whatever the lizard brain wants kind of plan, but you have to be careful because following instinctual desires can get you into a lot of trouble and it can lower the quality of your life and slow your recovery. Number three, don't live in survival mode all the time. The lizard brain is actually the amygdala which is the part of the limbic system, which is responsible for processing our emotions. If you always process things through the lens of survival, I'm just trying to live. I have to do anything to stay alive. How do I stay safe? How do I protect my territory? How do I protect myself, my interests? How do I defeat aggressors? How do I identify predators? And how am I going to be the last one standing when all of this goes down, when all the dust settles, then that's the lizard brain that's taking over and, and compelling you to survive, which, of course, we all want to do that, right? We want to survive, but not like this. It's unnecessary and sometimes dangerous or even inappropriate to uh, just react with our reptilian brain. It's primitive, savage, and low. It's very base and... Um, you should strive to be more evolved than that. You do have much more complex things going on. You're not just like a reptile, right? So let's talk about your monkey brain. Uh, what do you do when you, you have monkey madness and your emotions are just like, woo, all over the place and you can't control them and you're just drowning in this pool of emotional muck? Um so first thing you need to do is reduce the chatter. Put down your cell phone, step away from your computer, turn off the TV. Screens, any kind of screen, can exacerbate monkey madness, so you need to shift and pivot. Go outside, take a walk, stand barefoot in the grass or on some dirt, touch a tree, study the sky, look at the clouds, create an environment that is calming these are ways that you can kind of reduce the chatter and get a grip on yourself when the monkey's trying to uh, mess with you. Number two, practice mindfulness and practice your breathing. Being present in the moment and bringing awareness to your breath is something you need to do often throughout the day when you're trying to recover from trauma and abuse. To focus on being in this moment, you can start naming things that you can see and touch. 
in the room around you, I see this, I, anything relating to what you can see or touch that's tangible and um, just start saying it out loud, make a list to get your breath under control that, you know, short, shallow breath rates trigger stress, which results in sort of um, an amygdala hijacked, which means monkey madness is going to ensue. Studies show that the breathing pace that has six breaths per minute, sort of like um, you inhale five and exhale five. If you do that, like, you know, one, two, three, like breathe that slowly, that'll add up to like five or six per minute. That's what you're aiming for. So practice that. It really does help. Breath is huge. Uh, number three, get out of your cage. You know, you need to aim for movement and physical activity at least every hour just to keep your cortisol level levels in balance. This cortisol is like a hormone that is, um, needs to be working correctly. If you're going to try to keep stress managed you can set a reminder on your phone. I have one on my smartwatch that vibrates, tells me, get up, move, walk around, don't just sit there. Um, do a quick lap around your office. Go to the restroom, get a drink, go get a glass of water. Uh, do a few stretches, run up and down the stairs a few times if you have stairs in your house or at work. Um, march in place for two or three minutes. Just get your blood circulating and get some movement going. It will help. So those are each three tips, three to sort of harness your reptilian brain and three tips to sort of manage your monkey brain. So how about what, what do you do to grow your human brain? Um, your goal is to develop and use this human brain more often than the lizard or monkey brain. So how do you do that? How do you cultivate that? Um, the human brain allows for logical rational thought, not just emotional thought. And um, it knows how to delay gratification and to create safety. So you don't feel like you're, you're threatened and you need to jump up and activate your reptilian brain. It is by using this part of the brain that we are able to think through our responses rather than just reacting. It's always better to be proactive than reactive because reactionary people you know, that's just a mess, you know, in all aspects of life and jobs and everything, being reactionary is never a good way to go. You want to anticipate problems and nip them in the bud before they become problems. Perhaps the best way to consider this human brain thing is to say what it's not. What is, what is it not? The human brain is not like the reptile or lizard brain because it's not primitive, instinctual, just focused on survival only. And, um, and it, it, it's just more than that. It's not like the monkey brain either, just focused on emotions and numerous tasks, sometimes simultaneously and without logic or control. Ideally, the recovering brain must focus on 
here, this is something new that I want you to think about. It's called the parasympathetic nervous system. If you get it under control, then your brain can operate in the more human state, not in the lizard or monkey state, if you nurture your parasympathetic nervous system. Um, it feeds the good part of your brain. High levels of anxiety, stress, and grief can cause the human body to react by releasing stress hormones that result in actual physiological changes. These can include panic attacks with pounding heart rates, racing heart, pounding out of your chest, shortness of breath, tensing of muscles. It can manifest as insomnia, trembling and shaking. Animals do that, and we're sort of fancy animals, I guess. Um, and sweating and hot chills, cold chills, all of that, clamminess. Research suggests that prolonged stress, emotional dysregulation, and listen, guys, if you're recovering from a narcissistic, sociopathic, or psychopathic relationship, I guarantee you um, it's not just stress. You are going to have emotional dysregulation. It's part of ending the addiction and the lack of boundaries and the trauma bonding and all of that stuff. So you're also going to feel sad, um, grief, anxiety, all contributing to physical conditions like high blood pressure, the formation of artery clogging deposits. Inflammation is increased because this of this inflammation throughout your body and actual brain changes, including cell death that often contributes to this anxiety, depression, addiction, and other health issues. Yes. Let's think about that for a second. Oh my gosh. Doesn't that just blow you away? That person who was disordered, who was mentally unstable and either knowingly or a lot of times unknowing, they don't know what they are. They don't know why they have to do what they have to do. They don't understand what made them that way, or they don't even live in the same world that you live in, these dysregulated people, right? They're not seeing anything or responding to anything in the world around them in the same way that you are. It's like they're from another planet. You have to accept that. You don't have the same rule book. You don't have the same um, brain chemistry. You know, they have brain damage. They have brain changes in their brain that are deficient, that are actual physically uh, identifiable sometimes on MRIs and CT scans. There's something wrong with them. And so, um, you know, you are trying to, um, to manage this. What, what happened to you while you were paired with this person who is clearly far from okay, they're never going to be okay. And the best thing you can do is get away and work on yourself. Well, you have to acknowledge it's affected your brain and it, it may have killed some of, some of your brain cells. They murdered your brain. Yeah, they didn't, maybe they didn't even know it. There's only a small percentage of people with NPD who are actually aware of what they do. They're like the worst kinds. They're more like sociopaths probably and or even more like a psychopath. Um, 
but they do know what they're doing. They're sort of sadistic and masochistic and mostly sadistic and it's terrible. So yes, we need to focus on knowing that, that our, we have brain damage. We have brain damage guys following this relationship with these kinds of people. So one of the keys to getting better, and that's what we want to do, right? is nourish this parasympathetic nervous system. It can be the key. There's ways to feed this to reduce the ill effects often experienced as we recover from trauma. So here's a here's like my dirty dozen. These are 12 things that you can do to nurture your parasympathetic nervous system, which is that part of your nervous system that helps you relax. It's soothing. It's calming. It tells you everything's okay. I'm safe. I'm not threatened. It's all peachy king, hunky-dory, um, uh, tickety-boo. <laughs> That's a British thing, tickety-boo. Everything's just tickety-boo. If we want to try to get to the tickety-boo place, got to do this. Number one, ground yourself in nature. We talked about this before, you know, stand in the grass, hug a tree, dig in the dirt, plant a garden. Number two, get a massage. Touch your lips or do effleurage, which is a really light fingertip massage up and down your arms. Research that a little bit. And what happens to your brain, to your brain when certain parts of your body are touched uh, and, and, and then work with that. Number three, do EFT, tapping. This is another way that we tap and touch our bodies in key strategic locations in order to... Um, remap the brain to sort of redo the circuitry there. Four, practice mindfulness. Do some guided meditation. There's tons of stuff on YouTube. Number five, learn to breathe. We just talked about that before, and it's super helpful. You just have to study that a little bit. The next one, six, repetitive prayer or positive mantras or things that you can repeat over and over and over again. Figure out what those couple of things should be, could be, that you need to hear, and then say them over and over all through the day. Number seven, spend time with animals or children. (laughs) They are different, you know, similar but different. Call a friend. Build a tribe of people who've experienced something similar as you. Number eight, practice yoga, uh, chi kung, or tai chi, or other calming, centering activities. Number nine. Walk, dance, run, get moving. We've talked about that. Ten, do something you enjoy. Find ways to laugh. Indulge in simple pleasures. Next, drink a cup of tea and sit in silence. Sip a cup of coffee with the morning breeze. Next, number 11, practice gratitude to begin and end each day with listing all of the things you have to be thankful for. Uh, And number 12, make a commitment to do these things. Um, That's the biggest one. Just knowing about it is not enough. It has to be a daily practice. While trauma will never really go away, it does not have to take over your life. Understanding the brain can help facilitate healing, help you manage PTSD and other problems when you're in recovery. The brain wants to protect itself and will sometimes work with you and try to help you. It's better to be proactive about this, guys. Take control. 
Get your brain under control so that it's working in tandem with you to create the life that you deserve. All right, guys, let's get busy. That's your assignment and my message for today. Let's let's do some research on the brain and on these things that I've mentioned to you. And let's, let's focus on healing our brains as part of our recovery following traumatic uh, psychological, emotional, or sometimes physical abuse from personality disordered individuals. Okay, that's it. It's thundering outside. I'm going to go listen to the rain. Y'all have a, have a great um, week. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.